Hello and welcome to another installment of the CODcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. We are talking today about Boston Mayor Marty Walsh. The first-term mayor has encountered a decidedly rough patch. A planned IndyCar race that he strongly backed crashed and burned. Burned also maybe thousands of ticket buyers who are due refunds, as race organizers say they're out of money. Attorney General Maura Healy is now on the case. Tensions have flared around race issues at Boston Latin School. The school's headmaster has quit. An interim headmaster was appointed this week, but a Justice Department investigation of civil rights issues at the school is ongoing. Most ominous, of course, is the probe by the U.S. Attorney's Office of allegations of union-related strong-arming by officials in the mayor's administration. One official was indicted a few weeks ago, and now a second one today. Helping us make sense of where things stand and maybe where they're going are two Boston political journalists, Gin Dumptious of MassLive.com. Welcome to the podcast, Gin. Thanks for having me. And Kyle Claus from Boston Magazine. Welcome, Kyle. How you doing? Good. So today's news of a second City Hall official indicted, Tim Sullivan, who runs the mayor's intergovernmental relations office, was certainly not not good, uh, but wasn't entirely unexpected, right? We'd heard in the earlier indictment of uh, his tourism chief, uh, Ken Brissett, uh, there were hints in that indictment about another City Hall official uh, who the feds are alleging has been involved in pressuring this music festival uh, on City Hall Plaza to hire union workers. But so how, how bad are things, would you say, for the mayor right now, Kyle? I think the, the optics are certainly uh, less than ideal, but I think in terms of looking ahead to 2017, uh, there isn't all that much to worry about. I mean, at the core of this scandal is you know, uh, union workers getting uh, allegedly special treatment, uh, getting these jobs. And if that's who he's you know, trying to get to the, uh, the ballot boxes, then I, think, <laughs> I don't think they'll take much exception to this. Yeah. Again, what do you what do you think? How do things stand right now for the mayor? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say optically it does not look good, but it's also a case that's not, uh, I, I guess, not as sexy as the previous uh, types of uh, indictments and charges that, that uh, uh, the U.S. attorneys pursued. I mean, there's no state senator stuffing money into a bra here. There's, sure. it's, it's, it's about uh, alleged extortion for union jobs uh, for a music festival on City Hall Plaza. Um, and I think... Uh, it, it, it'll be an interesting case to prove um, because uh, the lawyer for Tim Sullivan today uh, brought it brought up the, the fact that the McDonald case the Supreme Court tossed out uh, earlier right. this week uh, about uh, f- uh, state officials taking taking uh, gifts he pointed to that and said you know like the, the government the government is trying to run City Hall the way they want to run City Hall so we're gonna we're gonna prove as as it was proved in the McDonald case that they don't have to do that. Now, the way I understand it, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there, she's prosecuting this under the Hobbs Act. And through that, you must prove that in giving, uh, there's some sort of, have, there has to be a loss of personal property, property rights, or something uh, to that extent. I guess you could argue that if they were withholding the permits and it, they didn't, the Boston Calling didn't receive those permits. And you know, until it was too late, you would assume that there had to have been some sort of monetary gain. So there was something at stake. I, I assume that's an argument that uh, Attorney Ortiz could make. Right now, it 
you know, there there are some people who think this is sort of making making a lot out of out of not that much, or that it looks like, uh, you know, the city just sort of advocating for you know, for for working working folks getting getting decent jobs, but it also, I mean, a, a real problem for the mayor seems to be that this was sort of his Achilles heel, right? That he went into office with all these questions about his long association with labor and his vows, you know, throughout the campaign and as he took office that, you know, that, that there was going to be a wall. He'd separate himself from that. He's now the mayor of the city. So is that is that again back to you, sort of again, you're talking about kind of the perception problem that it goes right to the heart of, of the thing that, you know, people were most worried about, you know, when the mayor took office. Certainly. That was something that his opponent, John Connolly, raised during the race, saying, like, can, can you trust, can you trust a, a, a former labor leader to, to look out for the city's interests, especially when he's at the bargaining table, when he's at the, uh, or even uh, as well as when we're talking about union jobs here. Um, I, and, and if you zoom out, if you zoom out even further, what this case, uh, you, you can look at this case as, as a, a, something, something going on in the Walsh administration over the last two and a half years. Because you, you've got IndyCar, you, which collapsed. You have the Olympic bid, which was uh, turned into a complete mess. Um, and, and Walsh has certainly had successes, like uh, helping bring GE to Boston, uh, along with Governor uh, Charlie Baker. They, it was a team effort there. Um, but I think what you're seeing is a, is a pattern where Walsh is, is now halfway through his term, and it, it looks like he needs to right the ship. Right. And then you've got also, you know, just in the last week or two, the, the sort of whole situation at Boston Latin School coming to a head. Uh, so that's sort of what, you know, I wanted to ask about not just the specifics of, of the federal investigation and today's news of the indictment, but more broadly, as you're suggesting, you know, is are there kind of, you know, bigger problems for his administration? And I guess one thing I was really struck by, and I'd love to hear what you guys think, is that um, this week we sort of had the, the sort of uh, moment of reckoning when I felt like both daily papers in Boston had really tough columns that, that teed up the mayor, not on specifics, but more broadly. There was a piece by Joe Battenfeld on Monday uh, you know, that said something uh, about his overall management. Uh, you, know, you know, as a manager and a leader, he's been a big disappointment, and that's being kind. So, I mean, this is just a sort of a, a full broadside, really, on his, on, his, on his tenure, not over specifics, but, but generally over his stewardship. And then today, Tom Farragher and the Globe uh, uh, had a piece, the headline now for the online version is Marty Walsh's dream, dream job turning into a nightmare. And he's, uh, you know, the term he's using is, that, you know, the mayor needs a, a reboot of his administration. So it, it sort of, it, it sort of frames the question more broadly just about, you know, you know, whether he's sort of got the chops at this point to really, to really deal with, with, with what's, you know, what's an enormous job. Well, the, the question, the question I've had uh, is, how did how did it work with with uh, Mayor Menino when he first came in? Because it was he he took office uh, in 1993 uh, as acting and then winning winning the race the, the the race there. Uh, I was in third and fourth grade. So um, what was that like? Did he go through the same steps? And is Walsh Walsh trying to get his hands on the office, uh, but he's doing it in uh, a 24/7 news cycle with Twitter with Facebook. Everybody's connected up. And every uh, problem, big or small, is magnified. Um, and and the, 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 question, the other question is, is Walsh being a legislator 
how much is that affecting his decision making? Um, can he handle making multiple decisions um, uh, on a daily basis? That's something he said when he first started. He said, like, listen, I'm coming in and there's decisions coming at me every day. And, you know, at some point you gotta, you got to get the hang of that. You know, it's no secret that a lot of times you know, we in the media are sort of in a bubble as to the true public perception. I think you know, we stare at Twitter uh, at times way too much. <laughs> agreed, agreed, <laughs> but, yeah. But, and that isn't always the most accurate representation of, of the electorate. And I really had, my big epiphany was a couple weeks ago, Mayor Walsh spoke at the Huntington Theater and talked about the restoration efforts and how uh, with BU selling the property, how the city intervened with help of Joyce Linehan and and others involved there, and were able to keep the theater preserved. And it would still operate and we'll get all these improvements. And there was a very short question and answer period with the press, but then once the public began speaking, the reverence that they spoke to him with just just the gratitude and it was such a, a warm audience for him and that's when it sort of struck me that huh he has a thick coat of Teflon because uh, if you think even throughout the darkest days of the Olympic bid he still enjoyed what 70% favorables right right and if the Olympics just the the dumpster fire that was couldn't sully him I mean what will no, I think that's that's a fair point, and I know his, uh, you know, some of his people have been uh, eager to let people know about, you know, current poll numbers, which they suggest, you know, still show real high, high favorability. So, it, you know, the stuff hasn't hasn't yet seemed to dent him. But um, I mean, what do you think about this idea of sort of a reboot? And this is again, this is really uh, back to Gin's point about, you know, you sort of measure him based on, you know, other mayors in the, you know, say the first half of their first term. You don't look and compare him to Tom Menino when he was kind of a t- on top of the world, say, 10 years into office. And so I think that's a fair point. Even in, in, uh, in, in uh, presidencies, we often see a shuffle that takes place sometime in the first term where they just realize they didn't get everything right in terms of uh, the right people in the right positions and so forth. So, I mean, do you guys expect that there may be? And, and I feel like the mayor in uh, the sit-down yesterday with Tom Farragher even uh, suggested that you know, he was kind of hearing that, and it may not be that everybody who's, you know, everybody's not going to be in the same positions they're in now, you know, a year from now. Do you, do you think that's something coming? I think it's difficult to plan out a reboot when you're not sure, <laughs> we're not even sure if the mayor's, you know, testified before a grand jury in this whole indictment thing. So, I mean, I think a few more chips have to fall before we can really start talking about a reboot in any meaningful sense, what that would look like. Well, I mean, I, I think I, people people moving on um, tend to um, th- this tends to happen anytime an elected official approaches re-election time, right? This happened when Deval Patrick was running for re-election. A lot of his people, people that that, that either weren't going to stick around for the second term or or you know wanted to go off and do something else, usually about a year or less than a year before the re-election, they tend to start to move on and tend to find tend right. to find other jobs. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we. We start to see that in the next couple of months, right. uh, you know. But the, but the que- the question is of, of you know who he hires, um, and and whether he can stabilize uh, his administration, which right now I you know I think it's fair to say is, is in some instances definitely flailing, um, you know. And so you got to look at like you got to look at who's there, like Dan Coe as the the chief of staff, you know, is 
Um, is he going to stick around? You know, Eugene O'Flaherty, the chief counsel, is like, is he going to stick around? Right, who Farragher seemed to tee up in, part- in particular uh, as this kind of, you know, sort of suggesting he's almost kind of this sort of dark force in City Hall that is, argue, uh, that is not the mayor's sort of best friend here. <laughs> just what? <laughs> I'd argue, I mean, there might be a legitimate basis for that. Just, I mean, what, what this state supervisor of records has found, just uh, the law department at City Hall is often innovative interpretations of, <laughs> of public records law creative lawmaking i yeah. mean the fact that they i mean the, that you needed a state official to tell you yes always include emails in public records requests is is mind-boggling that we're even having this conversation or had it in in 2015 or 2016 but also how many how many people who came into city hall uh under walsh had previous city hall experience i don't i don't know if it was that many i mean i i my my sense was that that uh menino when he when he took office he kept a, a lot of the old ray flynn hands um so no, i think that's right so so i and and that might have been you know that that might have been a factor in terms of menino like keeping keeping things going uh as with walsh i feel like the menino people like pretty pretty quickly left um so i don't i don't get the sense that there is like a michael Kenevi who is who is Menino's top uh, top guy in City Hall? I don't get the I don't get the sense there's a Kenevi for Walsh. Um, you know, there might be some people who like play bits and pieces of that role, but I don't I don't get the sense there's a cohesive person doing that. Mm-hmm. What do you guys make of? Let's just talk for a minute about the Boston Latin case because uh, you know that uh, brings up not only questions about the mayor's leadership, but the sort of you know always volatile issue in Boston around race and. And it seems like he's, uh, if anything, this sort of the criticism has been that the mayor sort of tried to sort of, you know, walk a fine line, you might say, charitably, or some people, you know, have said has just been, you know, indecisive and not been willing to sort of sort of say we're going to go this way on it. He's kind of waited as events have played themselves out, which they now seem to have done with the you know resignation of the headmaster. Uh, but there's still uh, actually a, a, an investigation by the Justice Department ongoing at Boston Latin, and there's just going to be a lot of questions going forward about, about how, uh, how people across the city feel about, about what they put in place there and the policies there going forward. What, what's your take on, on how that's well, I think sorting it would, out? It would behoove them to not treat this as a, a PR uh, something, a PR problem to fix. I think you need to look at it genuinely and see that there are problems and understand that there are underlying problems, ones that, just like you said, weave throughout the entire city. And if we're going to look at this, we're going to need to take a more holistic approach instead of just seeing this as, you know, some, a bump in the road that we need to bring in whatever consultant and, and sort of smooth it away. Um, I think I think the Wall Street administration needs to be especially engaged with this and, and play the long game, not so much as the short game with, you know, just sort of uh, quieting down the headlines for a little while until they can get a suitable replacement. I mean, the, the, with with, uh, with Tommy Chang, I, I I get I gotta ask like how how much is he really in charge? And, sure. And how much is 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 Mayor Walsh in charge? Uh, you know, at, at that press conference the other day, right? I mean, they they were they were there side by side, and and Michael, you were there, and um and, and a question of you know when they were talking about who leaked the information about the the uh, student there. Um, and and Chang said, you know, I'm, I'm you know, it, that that was wrong, and it should never happen. And you know, the, the, when when reporters asked uh, uh, Walsh of like, well, is there going to be an investigation? He didn't he didn't seem too interested in pursuing that. Right. 
Yeah, and I think that, uh, I mean, that's sort of become a perennial question about the schools ever since the city switched to this strong mayoral control, uh, that, that, that we wanted that, but, you know, as mayoral control, and then there's mayoral control, and, and so, you know, how independent an operator is Chang. I think certainly in this case, given the volatility of the topic and, and the whole history around race issues in Boston, and frankly, Tommy Chang's lack of any history or familiarity with it, uh, you know, it's just almost a given that that uh, the mayor's office and city hall was deeply involved in, in in trying to sort that out. I mean, you know, the risk he ran, I think, is that, you know, the mayor hasn't didn't sort of completely please uh, black activists who are sort of calling for a more aggressive uh, action on it. And, and then there are folks who were very supportive of the leadership at the school that felt he didn't really ever say that he was fully behind them as well. Um, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I've got everyone mad at me. That means I'm doing a good job because I'm, you know, I'm not sort of just sort of, you know, bowing reflexively to any constituency group. And there's sort of a case for that. But, but I think, again, people were looking for a little bit more decisive sort of word from the mayor on what he, what he made of the situation there and where we needed to head. And, and I think with, with Menino, there was always a sense that he was very hands-on, you know, like whether you loved it or hated it, like he was, he was in the thick of it and he was, he was wrapping his hands around something. And, and I think for, for a lot of folks, you know, talking to people who, who uh, were there for Menino and are now watching Walsh in, in the job there, sometimes they're like, you know, Menino never would have let it get this far. Right. Um, so, and I've been, I've been hearing that quite a bit from, from, and again, some of it's like, it's Menino hands, you know, so they're going to, they're a little bit biased in favor of their guy, but. But just as you said, I mean, that's going to be another storyline going into, uh, the election year is, does Mayor Walsh have the confidence of black activists in the city? Um, because a number of the decisions you could argue sort of eroded that faith. I mean, look, if you look at the housing crisis alone, you look at who is the hardest hit by that. And often that's communities of color. Um, you know, very publicly went to bat for Roxbury getting uh, Amazon same-day delivery. That's all well and good, uh, but the housing costs are skyrocketing, and uh, that's again you're going to have to play the long game there. Right, affordable housing and affordable apartments probably a little higher on the on the on the hierarchy than uh, than you know getting your uh, you know getting your CD delivered or whatever <laughs> it might be you know same day. Um, but let's talk a little about the election because it is sort of in the background to all of this stuff and and it is just next year and you know but i'm struck again that even this uh tom farragher column this this morning uh said you know well everyone assumes he's going to cruise to re-election so that's kind of a striking uh commentary maybe sort of on on boston politics or just on how strong the mayor's office is here that that that's kind of presumed even when you're discussing, you know, kind of a litany of, 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 of problems that the mayor's facing. But I think it's true that he's got a boatload of money, and there's really, I mean, is there any real sort of credible opponent in sight that you guys, that you guys see? Not really on the horizon, no. I mean, it's, 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 it, the thing is, like, also, the, the, it's such a unique institution, right? I sure. mean, it's, uh, it's the strong mayor system, which means a, a, a weak city council, and um, because everybody is largely part of the same party, the Democratic Party, uh, there's not a lot of incentive to um, to challenge. There's more incentive to, to wait your turn, um, right. which is what happened. I think you saw with with uh, uh, Menino. You know, he very few people would challenge him every couple of years, and then when you saw he was he retired and said, "I'm not running again," the the doors blew blew off the hinges, and and here came in. I think at first there were two dozen people, and finally whittled <laughs> down to a to a dozen uh, dozen candidates. Um, 
it, they're still very much kind of like, well, let's let's wait and see, and and you know maybe this will all blow over, and we largely all agree with each other on the policy issues. So, you know, why why rock the boat? And what, what do you guys think about uh, City Councilor Tito Jackson? That's the one name that's been thrown around a little bit. He's certainly been you know taking some shots at the mayor sure. uh, here and there. Always he was pretty quiet on the Boston Latin uh, issue, uh, but. Any 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 thought that he'll jump in? I know people have said he's got no real big organization. He's got no money in the bank. It it seems like a bit of a of a uh, uh, you know more than a long shot. But maybe it's just again the sort of desperation among uh, the chattering class to have an opponent. Maybe he's been built up as a as a would be candidate. You know higher than 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 is really what's going on out there. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he. Uh I do think he enjoys the work he's doing in in Roxbury. I, I spoke to him a few weeks ago, and you could see a, a genuine passion for it. Uh, but you also see a lot of frustration uh, with the Walsh administration that he, you know, sometimes more publicly than others. Uh, you saw during the Olympics, he was one of the few counselors who spoke publicly. I mean, he he had a speech right there on in City Hall Plaza on the the. Brady Bunch AstroTurf lawn they got out there and he said what you know very few others were willing to say on the council so I I do think there is that uh, proclivity to go against Walsh but will it materialize into a run I think it's a little early to say but uh, my gut says no well it's it's also uh, I mean he could he could run on the whole thing about you know like I'm I'm not going to raise a lot of money but you know that's just part of the brand you know I'm not going to raise a lot of money but I am going to uh, call the mayor out on this and this and this and this. Um, a lot of it is like, what what's going to happen afterwards? Uh, you know, Sam Yoon ran. After he lost, he had to move out. Um, <laughs> right. he, was, he was run out of town. Right. Basically. Literally, they um, said, right? He was banished. And, yeah. and, and Michael, Flaherty, Michael Flaherty went back into private practice, and then towards the, the, the end of the Menino era, he, he kind of got, got back into state government, uh, I'm sorry, city government uh, as a city councilor. Um, so it, it's all about it's almost like estate planning. <laughs> like what, <laughs> what's going to happen after after I run lose? Right. Uh, you know how do I survive after that? Um, and he could you know I I think he could make a, a strong case to the communities of color, uh, the people there who are unhappy with Walsh. Um, but uh, whether it's going to be enough to uh, reach critical mass, uh, that's that's really tough to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I th- and like you said, I think it speaks to our, our culture here. I mean, an incumbent hasn't uh, been ousted since 1949, and that was only because uh, Jim Curley talked too much trash about John Hines, and Hines said, well, I could just do this myself, and so he did. And barring that happening, I, I, I don't know <laughs> if we, we would see that next year. Right. Seems, seems unlikely. Well, um, that's certainly probably uh, a, good, a good bit of news for Marty Walsh that uh, people are struggling to think of, uh, of how he might be sort of, you know, really thrown off, thrown off his game here. And by, by next year at this time, he could be cruising toward re-election and, and, in, in, and have righted a lot of the, the ship. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's still a ways off. And uh, we'll leave it at that for now, though. But I want to thank, uh, thank you again for coming in. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, appreciate it. This is the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. You can subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.